0: Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky.
1: And welcome everybody to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Happy, happy Monday. An amazing Monday before us. Now those of you who've been keeping up with the show will know that I've been talking about this red flag gun law car crisis aversion rights retention act, uh, a bill that is being considered here in our Kentucky legislature, our so-called conservative majority that would allow a judge simply because they were asked by law enforcement to pull you, to, to drag you in front of them, to demand you defend your right to own A firearm, not because you committed a crime, not because you're going to commit a crime, not because you've you've been accused of anything like violent assaults, uh, you know, because there's an emergency protective order against you. Nothing like that, simply because law enforcement decides that they don't want you to have guns anymore. And so you'll be drug in front of a judge and have to pay money to an attorney to defend your right to own firearms. And that's it. That's all they're doing. They're just coming after your guns. You're not accused of a crime. You don't get to stand before a jury with this bill. You simply have to defend your right, your Second Amendment right, because they said you have to. They said you had to. And so I've been talking about this for a little bit because it's these types of actions and ability to show up to this hearing, which is on December 15th. That's this Friday at 10 a.m., it will be in Annex Room 154. So that's Capital Annex Room 154 in the Joint uh, Committee on the Judiciary. So the Judiciary Joint Committee, that means both Senate and House members are there. And um, for those of you, just Google Capital Annex, you'll find it. But for those of you who need the address, it's 702 Capitol Avenue, Frankfurt, Kentucky, 40601. And I'm going to encourage you to show up. I will be there. I hope you will be there to stand up for Your second amendment. Rights And because also, this is what this show is about. That's why you listen to this show. There's a lot of podcasts out there. You got the Daily Wire shows, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bung, Gino, Prager. The list goes on and on. All people you can listen to to give you great information, insights, and viewpoints on national news. But the question is, what are you going to do about those things? I mean, yes, you can listen to the latest clip about how AOC is the dumbest broad from the Bronx, And you wouldn't be necessarily mistaken to think that. But what are you going to do about AOC? You don't live in her district. Uh, Maybe you're a big dollar donor. You can dump some money against her, perhaps. That's a pretty liberal district. And you live here in Kentucky. What can you do about AOC's latest shenanigans? Nothing, but yet you spend hours listening about it sometimes a week because you hear all these different viewpoints. But here on this show, we're talking about Kentucky issues. We're talking about something going on right in your backyard. Your Second Amendment is under attack right here in Kentucky, and you have a chance to turn out and make your voice heard on it. And that's why you should share the show with others too. The Andrew Cooperator Show is available on all major podcasting platforms like iHeart, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, uh, Pandora, all those major podcasting platforms. It comes out every day there at one. It also comes out, of course, on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and. Um, you know, uh, a Twitter at one o'clock two in video format, but most importantly, you can hear it at 9 a.m. each day on WZXI. That's 94.1 Fm, 95.5 Fm, and 1280 AM in the uh, central kind of Kentucky area, southern central Kentucky area. Um, and, and and you can tune into the show each day at 9 a.m. And if you don't pick up those channels, don't worry. You can tune into the WZXI player on the AndrewShow.com and listen at 9 a.m. too, as well, to get what's going on early. Those are choices you have before you. That's an option you have. But sharing this with others is how we make a difference. And if you want to share about that meeting, go ahead, head on over to my Facebook. Uh, the most recent post will be the graphic about this event. Uh, you just search Andrew Cooperwriter Twitter or Facebook at ky cooperwriter on Twitter. And go ahead, retweet, share out, push out that event. Those things share it around on Facebook. Even if you can't be there, you can share it around and get some more people there. Though I encourage you to do it. Show up, make your voice heard. Because you know, I hear people talk all the time. They ask me, Andrew, are we are we going to civil war? Are we are we going to end up in 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 some sort of huge issue or anything else? Look, we can't even if we can't even get people to show up to a a, a joint judiciary committee hearing in Frankfurt to say, no, we will not just sit here and allow you to seize our guns because you feel like it. If we can't show up there, no, I, th- th- there's no hope we have for our country. If we can't at least take a stand for what matters there, when are we going to? That is the question. When are we going to? Now, a few people have bothered to message their reps about this, and a lot of them have informed them. They've said, look, You know, we think this car bill, this Crisis Aversion Rights Retention Act, it's DOA. It's dead on arrival. Don't worry about it. Everybody's voting no. Well, I've got a few questions for you. One, do you honestly believe that? Because this is getting a Senate hearing. That's a first step in passing the bill. And sometimes it takes years, but they work and work and work on this bill to continue to push it forward. A red flag law didn't get a hearing last year, did it? But yet this year, here we go got a red flag hearing. So that's part of the concern. Don't take them. If it, this is done on arrival. don't worry about it. I don't trust you. But also at the same time, this is what I'd be demanding of your representatives and your senators. I'd say one, if they're on the committee, the judiciary committee vote, no, obviously then two, if you're not show up too and make sure they know you're against it. I've advised everybody to wear the collar yellow representing, of course, the Gaston flag slash yellow has always been the color of liberty. And so I, I implore you, please wear yellow too. So that way it's a visual representation of just what they're standing against. And it also shows organization because nothing is scarier to these politicians than a large amount of upset voters who are organized. So tell your legislator, show up to the meeting then. If you're not on the committee, show up, wear yellow to show you will be voting no. And I challenge you to do one more thing. You know, if you remember last year, a few of our representatives, Felicia Rayborn, Josh Calloway, in the House, got removed off their committees because they dared to stand up to leadership to push forward what would become a very conservative bill, Senate Bill 150, something everybody takes parades and victory laps on. It is only so strong and conservative because people like Josh Calloway and Felicia Rayborn took a stand against it and they were rewarded by our so-called conservative leadership by being removed off their committees, for fighting for conservative values. So what should Whitney Westerfield, the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee of, of sorry, the Joint Judiciary Committee, co-chair, right? So there's a co-chairs, and apparently it trades off. Each chair gets set the agenda of every other meeting. He sets the agenda. He's the one calling this bill for and he is the main pusher and sponsor of this bill. When are your legislators going to call for him to be removed off the committee as chair, at least, if not be removed off it completely? We had legislators in the House for doing conservative things, being removed off committees. When is somebody for standing against the very conservative, the supposedly DOA. All these legislators now are having to supposedly just deal with this because Whitney put this bill forward. Well, when is he going to be punished for it? Huh? When is the conservative caucus going to kick him out? Right? They threaten to kick out the most conservative members because they'll stand up. They won't just go with the flow. They won't just allow this so-called conservative leadership get away with doing very liberal things that we have in this state, but when will they call for somebody to be so liberal that they get kicked out of caucus? Get kicked off a committee. Get removed as a chair. I would ask your legislators, are you willing to call for Whitney Westerfield, the senator pushing forward this trash liberal bill, as well as other trash liberal bills, to be removed off chairs committee, to be removed out of the Judiciary Committee, because he has the audacity to call forward such a bill that flies in the very face of what we call conservatism. Well, you kick them out of caucus. If you're not willing to do that, what good are you to us? You may say, well, I'll vote no. Well, look, I can find any Joe Schma off the street to vote no to this bill that's conservative with an R next to their name. That's the easy choice. The hard choice is actually saying no, never in my state. And this is the strong stance I will take. So I encourage you all, please show up Friday, 10 a.m., Senate Joint Judiciary Committee, or Senate Joint, the Joint Judiciary Committee hearing, 10 a.m. Friday in Frankfurt. Well, y'all, that's what we got time for in this segment. Next segment, uh, we've got an exciting story here to cover regarding uh, Kentucky gay estate. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, You're listening to the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics. We'll see you in a few short minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, go ahead and email info at theandrewshow.com Also, you can visit theandrewshow.com and submit uh, just a a little bit of a a note if you want. We have a contact form there. Uh, We've recently received uh, quite a number of them. Of course, people talking about this, getting together and talking about the show in general. Um, Here's one we received recently uh, from a... Is one we received recently from an Amy. Amy says, just wanted to say that I am enjoying every episode and passing along as much as I can. It really helps me when debating my neocon relatives. See you December 15th in Frankfurt. Well, Amy, I look forward to meeting you and seeing you in Frankfurt as well. And yes, the Andrew Cooperator show is very, very important when trying to point out the follies that these neocons peddle, these neoconservatives, these warmongering anti-liberty conservatives and showing them that their path is the wrong path as we are full of them. Something you'll find out later on uh, in the show. <laughs> we got one story we got to cover first, though. And, and and listeners last week will have heard uh, towards the end, I think, of probably Thursday or Friday show. I mentioned this from the Williams Institute. They put out this graphic claiming that Kentucky is the quote-unquote gayest state in the nation at 10.5%, over double a rate of LGBTQ adults when compared to California, and almost uh, uh, double what the national average is. And of course, when I talked about this, I said, I don't know if I believe that. That seems hard to believe to me. But of course, on cue, without questioning it, all the liberals in the state and all the media around the state started writing their stories, yelling about how excited they are that Kentucky is such a quote-unquote gay state. But... Well, it turns out, just a few days later, the Williams Institute comes out and goes, sorry, we were wrong. That's the wrong data. The actual percentage, Kentucky is below average. That's right. We're below average. We're at only 4.9%. Remember, they told us before that we were at 10.5, but really, we're at 4.9. 49 Lower than Tennessee, lower than Indiana, lower than Ohio, lower than Missouri, right? Lower than these states, but yet, despite this, the liberals, they pushed out that big story. Now, do you think they're pushing out the retractions at quite the same speed? No. In fact, (laughs) they're leaving these things up and and almost to expose what the agenda is and how they operate. There was this hilarious op-ed and I caught it. Uh, When he first posted it and Courier Journal first put it out, of course, by returning idiots, big gay Willie, uh, (laughs) you know, Willie Carver, former teacher. Uh, former teacher of the year, who's now gay activist and uh, can opinion contributor at the Courier Journal, issued out this wonderful story. Now, I don't expect much facts from a guy who once wrote an opinion article about how we need to worry about the private Christian schools who are indoctrinating kids into Christianity, as if that was a serious story. But um, he did post this and uh, this story here. Which still exists. He didn't take it down. You know, after the data, literally, the data was a hundred over a hundred percent wrong. I'm not just saying that's a hundred percent wrong is like a euphemism. No, literally, even if you doubled the percentage of Kentucky, increased it by one hundred percent, it's still not the number they originally said. So you'd think an actual journalist or a newspaper that cares about facts or somebody who wrote an opinion piece that based on stats that turn out to be 100% false, would just take the article down, but that's not the case. Instead, he decided to leave up his article, which is um, quite ridiculous. And so let's go into this article, see what he said here, and I'll take some excerpts and see what turns out. So First, uh, something from the op-ed here. Let's take the story of Kentuckians. This is from Big Gay Willie. He says, let's take the story of Kentuckians that may take for granted. Unsophisticated, racist, homophobic conservatives, small towns, and backwoods filled with Pentecostals and Baptists. Let's compare this to the typical story of Californians, LGBTQ activists, vegans, smug, and liberals. Well, first, they are Big Gay Willie. The stereotype of Kentucky that you put forward is not the stereotype I put forward. I don't sit here saying Kentucky is full of racist, unsophisticated, homophobic conservatives. That is a stereotype you believe in your own mind. Literally over half of Kentucky doesn't believe they're that, and probably over half the nation doesn't believe that Kentucky's full of a bunch of unsophisticated, racist, homophobic conservatives, because half the nation about is themselves conservative. So this is just a stereotype that liberals have of Kentucky. But Big Gay Willie goes on to say the Kentucky stereotypes supposedly don't match up reality. Now, this is what uh, this used to say. Okay, so they had to change this article when the stats came out and they realized, oh no, we're super duper duper wrong. So this is what it used to say when he thought the data was different. So what it says is the Kentucky, what it used to say is the Kentucky stereotypes don't match reality on Thursday. The Kentucky story was blown up by reality as the UCLA's Williams Institute released a study showing that on average 5.6% of Americans identifies LGBTQ and fully 10.5% of Kentuckians do not only almost double the national average, but the highest average of any other state, double the rate of California. So what did he change it to? Did he just delete that section? Did he say, well, never mind, the data doesn't fit my preconceived notions that I wish to be true. Because that's the real thing. Why did they all fall for something that was so quite obviously false? Because they wanted it to be true. We'll go over why in a second. So this is what it was changed to. The Kentucky stereotypes don't match reality. On Thursday, the Kentucky story was blown up by reality. Well, it wasn't actually, but anyways, as the UCLA's Williams Institute released a showing, showing, released a study, sorry guys, showing that on average 5.6% of Americans identify as LGBTQ and fully 4.9% of Kentuckians do. That number is higher than surrounding, than some surrounding states and only within 0.2% of California's average. Statistically speaking, Kentucky is just as queer is California. First off, do you really believe Kentucky's average is below the national average? Let me ask you, do you really believe that? Of course not. You shouldn't believe it. And remember, he says higher than some surrounding states. So going back to the graphic, the only state it's now higher than at 4.9% is West Virginia and Illinois. West Virginia and Illinois. That's the only two. Uh, if you really count Illinois, which just kind of barely touches the, the the tail end there. Otherwise, you know, the more conservative farther south state Tennessee is much, much higher, of course. Another quote unquote, as the liberals would say, anti-gay state. Now, what did this really do? Why did they do this? This this whole thing. Now, what let's first talk about these percentages. Of LGBTQ identifying adults. They say fully 5%. This is already gets a bit dicey and skewed. Because when you start talking about what is LGBT, what is Q, what is queer, what who who identifies as LGBT, uh, it gets a little dicey because the LGBTQ squad have a long list of sexualities that uh, would qualify you as identifying as LGBTQ while actually not being gay at all, not being into anything weird or opposite sex or anything deviating from the normal, the average um, necessarily. And one of those terms is something called asexuality, which is the lack of sexual attraction to others or low or absent interests in or desire for sexual activity. So a part of the LGBTQ long list of whatevers is asexual, which simply means you Don't supposedly uh, have as much interest in any gender. It simply means you have a low drive. Or it could mean that, because remember, this is self identifying, a person could say, can say they aren't all that interested in other people and physical contact, claim they barely engage in it, while in actuality, they actually have behaved normally. And they just, for some reason, are perceiving that. Maybe maybe they are looking at this culture that pushes this sex on people all the time. And actually, they just behave normally, but their perception is that they somehow are different than others. And another identity also in the LGBTQ whatever is demisexuality, which is a sexual orientation where people who identify as demisexual only feel sexual attraction to someone after they've formed a strong Emotional bond with them. So it doesn't require you like the opposite sex or anything else. You could be straight as an arrow and say I'm demisexual because you say, Look, I don't like engaging in uh you know interactions with people in a physical sense until I've formed an emotional bond with them, which many people would just call normal. By actuality, that just sounds like the Christian ideal of waiting till marriage before engaging in physical contact because you need to form that emotional connection first. That just seems like you're putting that forward. So these uh, so-called gender identifications that don't actually require a man to engage with a man or a woman with a woman or to identify as another gender or anything. You can literally be just a standard normal straight person yet identify these ways and completely fall within the so-called Uh, definition and people would do that just so they could be special in some way, straight liberals identifying these ways so they can feel special that already throws off this narrative. But why do they push this narrative so much? Why is this being pushed forward? We'll be covering that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperator show your source for Kentucky politics. As always, you want to reach out to the show, just email info at the Once again, that's info at the We'll be back after this short break and you are back with the Andrew Cooperator show before the break, we were going over Willie Carver, Big Gay Willie's, uh, op-ed that was based upon, uh, this, this Williams Institute data, which turned out to be 100% wrong for Kentucky and instead of taking it down, he changed some things within it, but kept the same conclusion that Kentucky's a super gay state. And of course, all conservatives are bad. And so, why would they continue to push this out there? Why isn't there as much attention paid to the retraction as there is to the original story in data? Well, It doesn't take a genius scientist to realize that this trend in increasing LGBTQ ideology is the subject of social engineering. Are people born gay? Perhaps people can be born with all kinds of genetic mutations. And it is a genetic mutation. If you're born that way, after all people say they're born this way, you know, I'm just saying that if, if people are quote unquote born with something with sexuality other than straight it's clearly a genetic mutation then because it's moving away from the norm or the standard and we know that being straight is the norm or the standard and what you should be born with genetically because every single thing about our dna shapes us in order to continue one the species and two for our survival You know, a baby knows to hold its breath underwater, something imparted on it through genetics and DNA, fear, certain animals or situations built into the fact that we are hardwired to fear certain situations due to this material being passed down, this, this instincts being passed down over time. You know, what the vast majority of men find physically attractive body wise in women is based upon attributes that are best situated for bearing children. The chemicals released after childbirth to make a woman forget the excruciating pain she just went through in order to encourage her to have more children in the future. We are all hardwired through natural body functions and built for continuing the species. We're built that way. Therefore, people are born gay. Well, over time, we would actually see these numbers decrease and not increase because, of course, hereditary genetic mutations... This specific one would be bred out of the gene pool because, well, gay people can't have kids unless they engage in some kind of purchasing of a woman's body or a man's material. In fact, recent unspeakable, we can't talk about it, peer-reviewed studies have proven that the vast majority of sexuality differences from straight or gender identities are not because they're born this way, but because of the environment they're brought up in. But they don't want you to talk about that. Because evidence of this, as evidence of this kind of social engineering, we recently see California has passed a law saying that you can't have boys and girls toy sections because that, uh, that would now eliminate harmful gender stereotypes. So get rid of boys and girls toys because that's harmful gender stereotypes. Odd, of course, because the entire transgender, LGBTQ transgender thought process is based entirely on gender stereotypes. I mean, if you've ever heard these uh, uh, parents of so-called transgender kids on TV, these seven-year-old boys or girls that they claim somehow are now different genders. What do they point to? What do they say is the reason behind that? Well, they say, "Well, this boy, he always liked dresses and Barbie dolls and wasn't into boys' toys. We could tell very early on. Well, apparently those parents of these transgender kids can no longer claim that in California because there's no longer boys' and girls' toy sections. I guess their claim of satanic ritualization on children being driven by toy selection will no longer be an acceptable excuse because, well, boys and girl toys just don't exist anymore, according to California law. Here's my point. After the data was severely disproven, did they take the big gay mistake op-ed down? Did they take Willie's op-ed down? No, of course not. They edited the parts that talked about the data, but kept kept the same conclusions and talking points. Something you can't do or shouldn't be able to do when you have data that is based upon an article wrote on data that is 100% wrong because none of this was ever about the data. It was always about not wanting to look at yourself in a mirror and say, you know, maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe I need to change something. I mean, look, we all have our own struggles and temptations. I get it. And it's good to have a gut check sometimes and look at yourself in the mirror and say, maybe I shouldn't be this way. But the LGBTQ mob is much like a fat person who wants all their skinny friends to eat McDonald's in order to make themselves feel better. Just in this case, the LGBTQ mob wants you to sacrifice children to make themselves feel better. You know, children because perhaps, well, they haven't gotten their common sense about them yet. And we can shape them into believing crazy ideas like mental health care means chopping off your genitalia and taking drugs for the rest of your life. And so what if it destroys some of these kids' lives? At least Big Gay Willie can feel better about his own self-destructive existence. Well, big news. From the Republican Party over the weekend, they elected a new state chair in Kentucky, a Robert Benvenuti, former state house rep, former member of Ernie Fletcher's administration, and out goes Mac Brown. But on his way out, Mac Brown, of course, had to give another interview to the uh, West W.E.K.U. radio, basically the NPR radio. You know, the other day somebody asked, you know, why don't liberals really have talk radio station? I said, do you fool, they do. It's NPR and it's paid for by your tax dollars. You know, the, the conservatives have a talk radio station that can stand on its own. But, you know, liberals, of course, they need your tax money because, well, nobody would want to actually listen to their dribble all day long and they're complaining. So, of course, the taxpayers have to subsidize it. But anyways, what do I know? Um, but putting that to the side, Mac Brown gave this interview on the way out. We're going to break it down. We're going to listen to some parts of this here. Um, first, we're going to start off. He, he gets asked about uh, Bashir. And in his response about Bashir, he, he says something telling about just what he thinks uh, about what Bashir did in office, specifically the COVID lockdowns. Let's take a listen to what Mac Brown, former Kentucky Party chairman, just moved out, just left uh, this, this past Saturday. Um, let's see what this, this Republican leader says about Bashir's lockdowns. Take a listen.
0: Kentucky with the floods and dealing with that. And he was in Western Kentucky uh, when the tornado happened. I think he made some mistakes during the COVID period, but I mean, they weren't so damning that it was going to kick him out.
1: I think he made some mistakes during the COVID era, but they weren't so damning that they were going to kick him him out. That's a funny way of paraphrasing violating our constitution on a regular basis. Something the federal government ruled against him on a whole lot. A whole bunch of times. See, Mac Brown sits there, he's talking about Andy Bashir, why he won re-election. And he tells us part of the reason why he won re-election because people like Mac Brown would characterize violating the Constitution, shutting down thousands of small businesses that no longer exist, putting half of Kentucky's workforce out of work on unemployment, causing a massive spike in drug use and overdose and teen suicide while force vaccinating massive amounts of the population, you know, a uh, pushing forward the National Guard to go work at private hospitals so then those private hospitals can turn around and fire their nursing staff that refused to get the vaccine. All those things were just a few missteps, a few mistakes. Anybody could have done it. It was just a few mistakes. And that line of process out of so-called conservatives like Matt Brown is exactly why, exactly why, part of the reason why anybody Bashir won. Because... Uh, Republican leaders in this state, like Mac Brown, didn't even really believe that his constitutional violations were that big of a deal. We know that, of course, because they had the opportunity to impeach him with an impeachment inquiry, and they didn't even bother to fully investigate it. No, instead, they decided not to do so. It's no wonder why the Kentucky people didn't resonate to your messaging when you don't even believe it yourself, Mac Brown. You don't even believe it yourself. There's a lot more he said. He touched on a lot more things in this. He talked on uh, McConnell, uh, division and infighting, um, LGBTQ issues, so on and so forth. And, and we'll be going over the rest of his interview after this break we're coming up on. You're listening to The Andrew Coop Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative viewpoint. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com once again that's info the word info at theandrewshow.com and and we'll see you here after this short short break and you are back with the andrew cooper show for the break we're going over mac brown's interview on npr um former kentucky republican chairman as of a few days ago saturday a new one was elected so he he, he wasn't it's not like I'm talking about a former chairman rambling on. At this point, he was still the chairman when he gave this interview, and he is just our past chairman. And it tells us a lot about how they think about things. We we're talking. He was talking about Bashir's COVID response, but next we're gonna we're gonna hear, and this really paints a picture of why things are going so right in the Republican Party, and why they're they're they they've continued to move so far away from what their stated conservative beliefs are. Let's take a listen to what he has to say here.
0: He has raised money for candidates in a very big way. He helped the structure. He's given guidance. But he also always stepped back and never interfered. He recognized what his role was. Um, He wanted a party that that was working with candidates and not fighting with the candidates, which, believe it or not, that's the way it is across the country in a lot of parties. And we were able to uh, put it together.
1: So when he's talking about he, he's talking about Mitch McConnell, right? So uh, he was asked about McConnell and he gives a speech where he's talking about how McConnell wanted and built a party that would work. With the candidates, not "quote unquote" against the candidates. Now, this goes into that's that's one way of paraphrasing um, in the best light you can for one viewpoint of where part of the, the 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 big division in the Republican Party is, because people like Mac Brown, they want a Republican Party that is there to only get Republicans elected. That is their only purpose. And other people, such as myself, the "quote unquote" conservative Republicans, in the Republican Party, what we want is a party whose main job is to forward and protect the Republican Party platform. Now, what this means is, is Mac Brown's talking about there about parties fighting candidates or people currently in office. What he's pointing out is that is it he believes it is not the Republican Party's job to protect their platform. Now, if you think it is, then that requires you at times as a party to call out candidates that you know are not conservative. They don't hold conservative views. They've just thrown an R next to their name and they're trying to co-opt the goodwill, quote unquote, or the platform or what people think Republicans are supposed to stand for, for their own gain. And so if you believe the party's there to forward the platform, Well, that naturally would require you to not only recognize a few things, you know, when you're in the minority, well then, yeah, it's about getting as many Republican seats as we can. How can we win? But once you're in the majority, like you are now, you say, now we need to get Republican things done. And if you have an R next to your name and you're stopping us from achieving conservative things, you need to go. And it is the party's job in my belief to point that out because they have a platform. That is what's supposed to hold them together. You're going to hear Mac Brown now talk about division and infighting. And this ties into a lot of what I was just talking about.
0: Are there any directions the Republican Party seems to be moving towards in Kentucky that you're a little uncomfortable with or that you think maybe you're counterproductive? Well, I mean, the infighting that happens, that's been happening um, is unfortunate. And the party needs unity. That's the big focus. As I said, when I came in, the need was more for structure processes. Today we need a, a chairman who, who will bring the unity and continue that, and and pull the pull people together. And that's not going to be hard. I mean, not going to be easy. It, it's going to be hard because there is infighting um, in various parts of the state, and hopefully, you know that that's a trend. That this country's going through. And, and quite honestly, um, if the Republican Party is going to succeed nationally, it has to quit that.
1: And so Matt Brown's talking about uh, – he, he hits upon something important that should tell him why there's so much, quote-unquote, disunity in his opinion in the Republican Party. He points out that there is division, great division in America. And the reason why the Republican Party has a division here in Kentucky is the same reason why America has great division. There is no central idea that unites them because you have people like Mac Brown that say, look, we just need to serve all candidates. Not saying we need to push forward the Republican Party platform because that platform, those ideals, and there will be examples where Mac Brown completely deviates from the platform here coming up in what he says, right? But those ideals are what should unite people. At the national level, in America, there are supposed to be journal ideas, American patriotism, uh, ingenuity, right? Uh, meritocracy. sorry. You know, those types of things are supposed to be what unites our country together, regardless of party, central ideas. America is the greatest nation, right? But no longer does that exist anymore. Judeo-Christian values used to unite the nation. No longer does that exist anymore. And in the same way that you have no central tenant uniting the country, when people like Mac Brown believe the party's just there to support anybody who throws an R next their name, regardless of what their actual beliefs are, then you have no central belief to create unity within the party. What are you uniting behind? This is now just team red shirt versus team blue shirt. That's it. And to push this forward, in this next bit here, uh, uh, he's going to get asked about LGBTQ stuff. That's what he's going to be asked about. But instead of answering that question, he goes instead to an answer that creates nothing but uh, disunity. Because, of course, it diverts complete, comes away from the Republican Party platform. Take a listen.
0: It doesn't work. I guess I was referring to some of the, you know, social issues that seem to take a lot of the General Assembly's time and popped up
1: again during sure. the... You know, the gubernatorial campaign, what some people refer to as a tax on LGBTQ folks, you know, the law that passed that uh, basically said even if a parent and a child and a doctor agree on gender affirming care, well, that's not legal in Kentucky anymore. You know, those don't seem to really be bread and butter issues. Some people refer to them as, you know, culture war stuff. Does that help the party, the culture war stuff?
0: I think it depends on the issue. For example, Daniel's campaign was hurt because of abortion. The party needs to approve the exceptions of of abortion, and you know you've got to get in sync with the people. And the vast the majority of the people believe that you know the risk to the mother's life, uh, rape and incest. Those are exceptions that need to be done, and you need to know at what, where to draw the line after this date, not to have an abortion. So that that is an example um, that I think the party has gotten a little off track. When it-
1: and so what we just hear there from Mac Brown is uh, the very reason why we have division. You know, he gets asked about this LGBTQ stuff issues, instead of answering, he gets asked about LGBTQ stuff. Instead of answering that question right away, what's he do? He goes to abortion. And to him, it's not about a platform. It's the, because it it's just team red shirt versus team blue shirt. Because what does the Republican Party platform Actually, say about this issue. And we're not talking about life of the mother, that's a different situation. But what we're talking about is exemptions for rape or incest. Because remember, okay, and the reason why this is important to talk about, remember that you would not murder a born baby who was conceived through rape or incest. You wouldn't murder a child who's perfectly alive. So if you believe in the sanctity of life, as the Republican Party platform says, this is from the Republican Party platform, the Fifth Amendment protecting human life. The Constitution guarantees that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property deliberately echoes the Declaration of Independence proclamation that all are endowed by their creator with inalienable rights to life. Accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life, which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and legislation to make clear that the 14th Amendment protections apply to children before Birth. That is directly from the Republican Party platform. And people like Mac Brown don't believe in it. He doesn't agree with the Republican Party platform. Then he wonders why Republicans don't have unity. Then he wonders why there are problems within the party. Well, that's the reason why you don't even agree with your own platform, Mac Brown. Because, of course, to him, it's just about winning elections team red shirt versus blue shirt. doesn't matter what you stand for. That's why he believes the party's there to just support candidates, not to forward the platform. Because of course, it violates the idea of sanctity of human life, right? Once again, if you would not murder a born child for that reason, you shouldn't murder an unborn child for that reason. That's the entire premise behind why Republicans are against exemptions, but that is not something or should be at least if you prescribe to the platform, but that is not something that Mac Brown agrees with. So therefore, well, let's just cast that aside. We just need to change that because we gotta we gotta get in step, you know, with the voters because the party doesn't stand for anything other than winning elections, like a sports team. You know, that's what a sports team's there for, just to go ahead and win games. And that's how Mac Brown views it. And that is why there's so much division. He does talk about Trump in this interview, but we don't got time to cover that. I'll cover that tomorrow. So that gives you a reason to tune in tomorrow, right? Uh, and <laughs> But anyways, you're listening to the Andrew Coop Show. It's been great talking to you all today. Thanks for tuning. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. on WZXI, 1 o'clock everywhere else. Have a great rest of your Monday.